King James Version. And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Welcome everybody this morning. We appreciate everybody making an effort to be here and appreciate our kids this morning. And, uh, 
we've just enjoyed the day already. Uh, Lord bless us to get up early, and usually Sundays is the day I struggle getting out of bed, but um, we've enjoyed the day already, and um, we're looking forward to the best part of the day is when I'm in the Lord's house. Um, I'm thankful to be here, and I'm just, uh, I have a lot of anticipation on some things I'd like to see happen. Uh, I hope happens this morning. Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of conviction going out and uh, a lot of moves that need to be made. And I pray it be the Lord's will and uh, people can follow their hearts that uh, we'll see some of that happen this morning. I uh, just pray for our Sunday school teachers and uh, pray for our service today. I'm asking Mike Nichols to dismiss Sunday school. Good morning. It's nice to see everyone. Appreciate everybody being here. We're going to be in the book of Acts today. We're going to be in the eighth chapter of Acts. I desire your prayers. So we, we've we been in Acts, um, and we've talked about it a little bit, but just a real quick recap. So the book of Luke was written by uh, St. Luke, who was a physician. Paul called him his his physician. He traveled with Paul through a lot of Paul's journeys and ministry. And so Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, but Luke was not a first-hand observer of the things that took place. It's the only one of the gospels that's not a first-hand account. He talked to the men who had been there and who had taken notes and had written things, and he wrote the book of Luke second-hand call it that but it's just as valuable a lot of people refer to it as, as the beautiful book because uh, Luke's way of writing was so poetic um, but it's an accurate account uh, and so we get to the book of Acts and, and we went through this a few weeks ago but in the first chapter of Acts Luke connects the two books so that you can see the book of Luke 
was his first book, and really the book of the Acts of the Apostles is the second book uh, that he wrote. The first 16 or 15 chapters of the book of Acts are just like Luke. Luke did not physically see what happened there. He talks to the men who were there, who took notes, and he writes the first 15 chapters. In chapter 16, for the first time, Luke says, we. So it's clear that he's there. And the rest of the book of Acts, he writes primarily from a first-hand account. I think all of it, it's not completely clear. But So that's the book of Acts. So where are we at today? We're in uh, the eighth chapter of Acts. And uh, this is a just a very popular account. And I want to ask you a question before we get going. What action should we be taking in our uh, endeavor to live for the Lord? Should we be standing? Should we be walking? Should we be running? Don't, don't cheat on me here. Kay's going to give the answer before I get into, she's still in my punchline. <laughs> no, everybody getting serious. She said all of them. Well, let's, let's see, is she right? Probably is. She probably done figured out where I'm going. If it, and you don't have to go here, but in Ephesians, it says, I'm going to paraphrase these. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Okay. So in Ephesians, Paul is telling us, stand. Okay. I got it then. I'm just going to stand. Is that all of it? Well, in Matthew... The Great Commission, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. All right? Now, I said walk, but I think the same principle. Go at just a good steady pace is what he's telling them. He didn't say run into all the world. He said go. So should we stand or should we walk? All right? Got one more. Hebrews. And let me see here. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we've got instructions now to stand, to walk, and to run. So which one should it be? Well, Kay already stole my punchline. She said all of them. So let's look at the 8th chapter of Acts and see what the Spirit told Philip that he should do. So our lesson in the book starts in the 29th verse, but we're going to back up a couple. We're going to actually start at verse 26. So to set a little background for what's been going on, Philip has been in Samaria, and he was having a revival. I mean, revival broke out. Philip is preaching to him down there. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. And a couple of the other, Peter and John, hear about it, and they say, man, let's go up here and, and help Philip. And they felt like going, so they did, and they were just having a time. And that kind of settles down, and now all of a sudden, verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise. All right, so he wants him to get up got to move, get up, all right, arise. 
But then he doesn't leave him there long. He says, and go toward the south. So if Philip continues to just sit where he's at, once the Spirit says arise, he's wrong. All right, so he needs there for just a moment to be standing. We need to stand where God tells us to stand. All right. But then the Spirit says, go. Go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. So what did Philip do? And he arose and went. I like that. He, and, and a couple of the commentaries I read, but I'd, I already knew this, but Philip didn't question. He didn't say, well, right now, boy, we're having an awful good time. There's people getting saved and baptized. And you want me to go the Spirit? You're telling me to head, just head down in the desert? There ain't even nothing down there. I'm just telling you what Blaine would have been thinking in Blaine's head, okay? If, you know, time to go to church or we're at church and the Spirit came along and said, head out in the middle of a cornfield somewhere where there isn't anybody that I know of and there's nothing going on and there's no church there and there's no congregation of people, just head right out there in the middle. Just, just take off and, and walk right on out there. How would you react? Philip knew he was going to a desert. Spirit told him where to go. And it doesn't say he did anything other than he got up and he went. Now, I'm not exactly sure where he was at. Um, it, he could have still been in Samaria, which is where they were having this revival. He may have been back in Jerusalem. Either way, it was at least in my estimation a two days walk from where he was at to get to the desert in Gaza it may have been a third day's walk he could have been on farther uh, north but it was at least a two days walk so he got up and he took off walking he went it's really important that he didn't to me that he did not take off running right here now I don't think he wasted time I'm not saying he sat around and, and didn't do what God wanted him to do but he did not get up and take off sprinting if I tried to sprint 50 miles which is approximately what this is I'd kill over dead I wouldn't make it All right. I don't know there may be some long distance runners in here but I don't know if any of us could sprint 50 miles we could probably walk 50 miles if we went at a good pace and paced ourselves. So he did what the Spirit told him to do. He took off and he went. And I believe he went walking. So let's look on down now and see what happens here. And he went. And, and then we're in verse 27. And behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Jerusalem for to worship. So, this man is there and is leaving Jerusalem and is headed home. 
and a, a person that is a person of authority, all right, keep in mind, Philip, pretty much an uneducated person. He's educated in the ways of God, but he's not a, a man of means. He doesn't have a lot of money. He's not a person of authority in the government, uh, not a highly educated person. Paul was, but, but Philip, not so much. And he sees this, this person traveling, and let's see what happens here. This Ethiopian was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran. So there was a time to stand, there was a time to walk, and there was a time to run. We need to be willing to do all of those, depending on what the spirit tells us to do. We don't know the circumstance. Philip could have just said, nope, I'm going to stay right here where I'm at. Um, we're having a good time. And this Ethiopian at this particular time who was looking for something wouldn't have had anyone there to talk to him. Okay, But Philip did all of the things the Spirit told him to do in the time that he told him to do it. And this Ethiopian had an opportunity to have an experience with Christ because of that. So it's so important in our daily lives to do and be where the Spirit is telling us to be. Now, how do we know where the Spirit wants us? Well, something that I'm terrible at and I share with you a lot, and that is we need to listen, and, and really not from this ear, from this ear. But we need to listen to what the Spirit is telling us to do. We need to be asking, what do you want me to do? Who's ever been in a situation where it was so, and I'll use the term loud, and I don't mean physically loud, but just loud, that it's hard to hear what the Spirit is telling you? I have. I mean, there are times where I'm saying, Lord, I want to hear what you're telling me. I'm trying my best to hear but I'm having a hard time hearing what you want me to do. Anybody else ever been there? You know, I have. Uh, and I've said a few times, Lord, I'm trying my best to hear. But I'm not sure I'm really hearing. So I need you to make this real clear for me. Spoon feed me what I need to know here. Because I don't want to go the wrong direction. I don't want to stay in Jerusalem if I'm supposed to be in Gaza. And I don't want to take off running from Jerusalem towards Gaza if I'm just supposed to be walking. Just help me. Help me here. And uh, Dad mentioned this, uh, maybe it was Wednesday night, or I'm not sure, but just recently, uh, and I think it's in Mark, maybe the ninth chapter, the man brings his son to Christ, and he says, healing. And... Christ says, if thou hast faith, he'll be made whole. And the man said, I believe, Lord. But then what did he say? Help thou my unbelief. So believing, hearing, I mean, sometimes I'm saying, Lord, I'm trying to hear. Help me not being able to hear. Help me get where I can hear. Make it clear. Okay. 
And God will respond to that. He knows our heart. If we're really seeking but not hearing, he'll help us. Now, if we're not really wanting to hear what the Spirit has to say, and we're just going, okay, Lord, I'm trying to hear, but I don't really hear you, so I'm going to go do my own thing. I'll say, I've done that. Uh, you know, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'll admit it. I've done that a time or two. You know, I really wanted to go over this way anyway, so I'm just going to go over here. I think maybe that's where you were telling me to go. I hope it was, you know. And it ain't never right. <laughs> you know, it, that, ain't, that don't never get me in the right spot. Um, so, stand, walk, run. So, there's this Ethiopian, and he has been to Jerusalem and has worshipped and he's writing back and he's got some scripture there that he's reading and he is searching he's looking for something he's wondering what in the world does this mean how am I going to figure this out I even think and the scripture doesn't say this but I'm not at all surprised if it wasn't a direct prayer it was probably the desire of his heart, which is really prayer. But if he even didn't form the words and say, God, help me figure this out. Send me somebody to explain this to me. I'm not at all surprised if he had that. I want to share an experience with you that, that Trey told me about this week. I thought it was so neat. Uh, with Trey's, he, he sells lights now in addition to pastoring the church. And so... Sometimes he has to travel. They wanted him to go to Boston this week. He didn't want to go. He tried to cancel the trip. He, he said, I had so much stuff going on, but they said, no, you need to go. So he went to Boston on Monday, had the meetings and did the things they needed to do on Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., he's on a flight headed back to Tennessee. What well, connected in, I think he said, uh, Dulles in, in D.C. So the next flight is from D.C. on to Knoxville. So he goes in, he sits down, and he said, there's a lady that comes in and sits down beside him. And they start talking. She says, what do you do? So he tells her, I'm a pastor at church. So she starts asking questions, and she tells him, I've been praying, asking God to send me a sign, make it clear. She said, I'm trying to understand Jesus. She said, I just don't really understand all of and so for an hour and 15, 20 minutes, Trey and this woman, I don't know her name, sit there in these two airplane seats right beside each other. Now, some people would say that's coincidence, but I don't buy it at all. And so he told me later, he said, I got to witness to her for an hour and 15 minutes. He said, I got to ask her questions about herself. I got to tell her about Jesus. I got to tell her about the plan of salvation. And he said, at the end, she didn't say, well, okay, I believe I'm going to accept. He said, she still had some questions. And he said, when we were getting ready to leave, he said, I said to you, you told me you've been asking God to help you, to make it clear to you, to send you a sign, to, to send you somebody. He said, and God sent you a preacher to sit right beside you on an airplane for an hour and 15 minutes. He said, God's not going to make it any more clear than that he said now it's up to you 
And so they exchanged emails, and he's going to try to stay in touch with her. She's not from Knoxville. She was flying there for work coming from, from D.C. But I thought, this Ethiopian traveling, reading the Bible, looking for Jesus, we need to be in a place. Well, what do you mean a place? We need to be in a place in our lives when that opportunity happens that we can point somebody toward Jesus. And I've said this, and you guys have all heard me say this, but I hope that when I'm gone, people remember me like one of those flashing lights that has an arrow on it that it says, you know, come in. If you go down to, to Pigeon Forge, they got those every place. You know, it'll say Comedy Barn, turn in this way. And, you know, this event, turn in. They all got those lights that, you know, they got flashers on them. And they're just basically just an arrow. People don't leave the Comedy Barn and talk about how great that light was that led them into the Comedy Barn. They say, boy, that was sure funny in there. That, that comedian, he was funny. People shouldn't remember me, and I don't think they will. But I hope a few of them remember that I was like that light at the edge of the road saying, hey, Jesus is this way. That's really what we should, that should be our desire, is to just point people toward Jesus. So let's, anybody have any comments here before we move on? Okay. Verse 30. And Philip ran. So he got up at least two days ago, maybe three, left this revival meeting that was going on and walks for best I can tell it's at least 50 miles okay into the desert and he sees this chariot and the spirit says go join yourself to that chariot now just from a natural standpoint I don't know what this chariot looked like Philip wasn't in a chariot this man from Ethiopia was, he may have had guards around it, probably had some kind of animal pulling it. Certainly you could tell by the man being in that chariot, he was in a better financial position than Philip was, okay? Maybe there was some banner on there that identified who this fellow was, I don't know. I mean, he was a pretty important guy. But Philip went. It's hard, and I've done it a few times, the Lord's impressed me to, it's hard to reach out to people that are very successful and got a lot of money. It's easier for me if somebody, you know, maybe just starting off or a college kid or doesn't have a lot of money or just a common person, it's easier for me to approach them than it is for me to approach somebody that's, you know, and I've got a buddy, and, and I took him to a revival meeting that Dad and Denny were in down in Columbus a couple of years ago. He's one of the best trial lawyers I ever met. If you look up, if I told you his name and you looked him up, you'd go, wow, that guy's really good. And he's got a lot of money. I don't know what his soul's condition is, but he needs God just as much as everybody else. And so Philip ran. I love it. He ran. And heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? What's he asking him here? 
Think about that. I mean, he hears this, this fellow's reading this out loud. He heard him reading it. He wasn't just reading it silently. He's in the chariot. Philip runs up there by him, and he's reading it where he can hear what he's reading. He heard him. This guy's trying to get it figured out. Philip looks in the chariot and goes, you got that? That makes sense to you? That's what terms I would have probably used. You understand what you're reading? Now, he wasn't trying to be rude. He was just asking him, hey, do you really get that? And I think Philip's heart was probably burning at this point. I mean, he knew something good was getting ready to happen. The Spirit didn't just send him 50 miles away from a revival to this chariot for nothing good to happen. And the Ethiopian said, verse 31, How can I, except some man should guide me? That's why I think he was looking. I think even if he hadn't said the words, I think his heart was, Man, I wish I had somebody here to explain this. And I wouldn't be surprised if that had just been the thought of his heart. And you say, well, how could that happen? The Spirit sent Philip at least two days ago. Yeah, that's how the Spirit works. The Spirit knew what was this man was going to be thinking at this point. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So again, I don't really know the custom, but you got some guy that, you know, probably in sandals, doesn't look like he's got a whole lot, runs up beside your chariot going through the desert, and he says, talks a little bit, and pretty quick he says, you come up in here and explain this to me. You know, That's pretty, pretty good stuff. The place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? Now, if you look over in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, it's down about midway of the, of the chapter, you'll see this, this language, okay? You'll see right where he was reading. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself? Or some other man. So he's trying to figure it out. And he's saying now to Philip, is Isaiah talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? Explain this to me. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So we hear our preachers all the time. They get up. And a lot of times, and I love this, they'll take a scripture from the old scriptures and they'll take a scripture from the New Testament. And I, I love the example of it's kind of like if you're shooting a gun or some ordinance, you've got to have a back sight and a front sight. When you line them up right, you're going to hit the bullseye. All right. So when you do that and you get to Jesus, 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 then you've got the scripture lined up right. And so Philip didn't have the New Testament. Hadn't been written yet. But what did Philip have? Philip had an eyewitness account of everything that he had seen through Christ's life. Philip was there on the day of Pentecost when hadn't been, I don't think, too long before this. 
on the day of Pentecost when Paul preached and 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. And Philip's been preaching Jesus to people. He, he can tell them, hey, this man, born of a virgin, lived perfect, fulfilled these old scriptures, crucified, and he got up three days later. And I was there. I watched him ascend into heaven. You want to talk about a time? He's there talking to us, and all of a sudden he goes, See you, boys, and there he went. Yeah. Philip saw all that. I wasn't there, but I saw it all too. You know, I'm a witness. So we ought to be just as excited as Philip to say, Son of a gun, let me tell you about this. Verse 35, and Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. So Philip knew the book of Isaiah. He had read it, okay? He was familiar with it. He knew what it was talking about. It's important to know scripture because if you get questions, people may want more than just your opinion of, well, why do you think that? Well, I feel it. Well, that's okay for you, but I don't really feel it. Is there any other evidence? Well, if you know the scriptures and can take them to the Bible and point out some things in the scripture, it'll benefit you, all right, when you're witnessing to somebody. It's important to know scripture. And preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. Now, where are they at? They're in a desert. How ironical is it that Philip travels all this way and meets this fella at the spot where he meets him, and then they travel just long enough for Philip to preach Jesus to this man in his chariot, and then they come to a pond full of water right in the middle of a desert. Isn't that something? All right. Well, and that's how, and what a great symbolism of how quickly that we go from, you know, Death Valley to a place of water and a place where we can get a drink and a place where we can live. So there's a real contrast here. And the contrast, I mean, you have to look a little bit here to see this, but they're in a desert. And now all of a sudden they're at water. Now, I know you guys talked about there were, and I didn't ask you this before, but there, were, there was at least one river or a couple of rivers that only had water in them during a certain season. Was this one of them? So, right. So in the rainy season, it fills up with water, and it's a river. 
and in the dry season it dries completely up and there's no water there so you got to be there in the right season to get a drink of water again you know what great symbolism there is there so thanks for adding that because I'm picturing a little pond out in the middle of a desert it's a river but again Philip meets up with them they travel just long enough for him to preach and now the Ethiopian is saying hey buddy here's some water can I get baptized love what Philip tells him and Philip said if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest right so what's he saying you got to get saved before you get baptized in the water okay you got to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost first and then you get baptized in the water and he answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God Wow what a great testimony right I mean we hear people get up from right here periodically and say I'm saved I feel better I've got feel like I got Jesus down in here variety of things same testimony it's personal to each one of us but it's the same testimony when we get it we can feel it I believe this fellow felt it anybody have anything before we go on here and he and now this would be the man from Ethiopia because it was his chariot and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him peace submerged him baptism is death burial and resurrection that's the significance so I got when, when I got saved I didn't just get a little put on me I got submerged completely covered and when they were come out of the water the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing went on his way rejoicing reminded me of when I got saved boy I was so filled up so happy wanted to tell people about it wanted to spread the word now to my knowledge there's nothing else I'll ask I looked I didn't find it there's nothing else in the Bible about this man after this 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 Ethiopian does anybody else know of anything? I mean, it may be references this this someplace else, but it doesn't tell about it. I found one commentary that said that from a historical perspective that he went back to his country and preached Christ and him crucified, and many were saved. I don't know if that happened. That, that's not in the Bible. I can't verify it. It was in a commentary, and they even said it was just kind of uh, a historical account I hope it happened I do know this he got something right there if he never mentioned Jesus again after that when he died I know where he went but I believe that there was a big purpose for Philip to go down and meet up with this man and Philip probably often wondered about it after that probably no way that they stayed in touch I mean they didn't have email back then that was an awful long way for a carrier pigeon. That was a joke. 
Um, and so, uh, but I, I know that he had the opportunity to tell some people about Jesus when he went on his way and went, went back home. And I imagine that he did, regardless of what the results of that were. But he had salvation. You know, the song we sing, if we, if we labored for a lifetime and we just saw one more soul, it was just one. anymore. Philip was found at Azotus, if I'm pronouncing that right. Passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So Azotus is about 20 miles north and west, just a little bit west, but almost straight north from where this takes place, give or take, okay? Um, and so, and then Caesarea is on north of that. Uh, so Philip went through there and preached. One of the commentaries said that 20 years later is the next time that the book of Acts uh, mentions Philip. And 